It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we got another season recap. We got a knockout here. You want to talk about my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets? It's the other Tech, Joey. Right? Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah? No, no, no. Right? This is the real Tech. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. This is the Institute of Technology, not the Institute and State University. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, <laughs> the other Institute. And furthermore, I believe that my tech beat your tech this year for the right to be the real tech, as we discussed in the preseason. Yeah, we had the one bet. Man, that went really horribly wrong for me because, you know, being there in person and all, that really didn't turn out well. Didn't turn out well for you either with the whole uh, betting thing, I'm a jig. No, 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 no. My wallet is still smoldering from that one. It's yeah. not good. Um, yeah, so I, fair to say that we were both pretty uh, pretty befuddled by that game, but we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. We got to talk about the 2017 season, how everything turned out. This is a team that was rebounding. This is they've had a very roller coastery kind of ride over the last couple of years. They go 11 and three in 20, uh, 2014, win the Orange Bowl. 2015, they go three and nine, and everything just totally falls apart. And now in 2016, they go nine and four, four and four in conference. They beat three SEC teams in Georgia, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. They finished the year winning six of seven. After starting three and three, overall, this was everything that I think a Georgia Tech had asked for here, Mike. This was a great year and follow up to a, a, a pretty rough one a year ago. They really scared me too with the whole BC thing in Ireland, where you know they went back and forth with what turned out to be the bowl eligible and bowl winning Boston College Eagles. So, by the grace of God, man, I was there for that one. That was something. Um, it, I mean, <laughs> Put it that game. That game, you look back on it and how close they were to losing that game and really kind of what that could have ended up turning the season into, it could have looked significantly different. And I think this is just a, a testament of what you see a lot of times from Paul Johnson teams, that they are better significantly at the end of the year than they are at the beginning. Partially to say that they get better throughout the year, but also to say that they start off pretty slowly in a lot of different cases, for whatever reason that is. And, I mean, they were able to escape with that three-point win. And then the Mercer game, which I consider it short rest when you have to fly back across the country. I know there was a week in between those two games. But when you have to come back across the country after playing in Ireland and to play well against, I, I mean, I get an FCS school, but to get a 35-10 win a week after, and you're like, okay, this thing's back on track after a tight game to open up the year. But... You know, anytime you have an ACC game at the very beginning of your schedule like that, and it doesn't happen very often, it usually takes one of these neutral site games or something crazy at the beginning of the year. But anytime you get that early ACC win, that's really helpful. And uh, given Georgia Tech's schedule in the early part of the season, I thought that was huge for them. I would totally agree. That was one of three games that they won up front, as you mentioned, the, the Mercer game of a week later. It was a struggle in the first half before Georgia Tech was eventually able to pull away. 
And then the following week against Vanderbilt, where they just totally deconstructed a not totally awful Vanderbilt team, and that was really encouraging. They then followed that up with three straight losses. Obviously a loss to Clemson at home on a Thursday night. That wasn't pretty. It was never going to be pretty. Clemson's defense just has this habit of making a mess of Georgia Tech's offense. And then a couple of really frustrating losses where it seemed like they hung with Miami, but they lost by two touchdowns because Miami recovered a couple of fumbles and scored on those on defense. Uh, kind of weird plays. And then they go to Pittsburgh and they lose the very last minute, you know, just kind of on the, on the end of game sequence with not converting a fourth down and then Pitt hitting a lengthy field goal for the second year in a row to win that game. And, and so at 3-3 three and three midway through the year and coming off of three straight losses, Mike, it looked like things were really heading south for Georgia Tech. It did, but you look at the Clemson game, Miami game, two games you weren't entirely expecting to win. Miami, I guess we can discuss, right? But Pitt game, like you mentioned, tough loss. Should have been one, in my opinion. Kind of a couple bad turnovers, a couple weird things happen that one. You, you lose that, but then you come back. And like you said, uh, you finished the season winning four out of your last five games. Ooh, more than that. Math is really hard for me. One, two, three, four, five. Six out of your last seven games, if you include the bowl game. And then you're looking at a team that's nine and four. The season looks drastically different. So the victory against Virginia Tech obviously helped. If you had to handicap uh, the schedule to start the year, you were praying that they would beat Boston College in the opener because you knew that the three ACC games that followed that, Clemson, Miami, and Pitt, were not gimmies, and it turns out that they weren't, and they were able to steal one late in the year against Virginia Tech uh, to really round out their season. So, yeah, I thought overall it was a positive season for Georgia Tech. Uh, the fact they were able to rebound after those three straight losses and come back as strong as they did. I thought the regular season really could break down into – four sequences of three games where they had the three wins to start the year over teams that realistically this team should be beating. You had three really frustrating losses for various reasons. And then you come back and you had a win over Georgia Southern, a win over Duke and a loss at North Carolina where the offense was kind of doing its part to keep pace with what the defense was giving up where the defense was really, really falling off a cliff there in the middle of the year. And then when the defense started to turn it around there after the North Carolina game, that's where you had wins at Virginia Tech and at Georgia, as well as a win at home over Virginia, and then even again in the te in the uh, Tax Slayer Bowl over Kentucky. So I think that was really the key to what turned the whole thing around was the defense playing really well down the stretch. And part of that is you know having some seniority there of, of guys that were newer at the beginning of the year but kind of were developing within the system towards the end of the year. But also it was that Ted Roof was willing to let some things fly and be more aggressive on defense, whereas before it was a lot of try to bend but don't break, but eventually just break and everyone just goes home sad. So, um, yeah, I think that was the big key difference in the team down the stretch was the, how the defense played. And as you mentioned, I mean, six of the last seven games they came home winners, and I, I, you can't complain about that. You can't, and I, I was going to say defensively also, um, the Virginia Tech game specifically, just because those are my Hokies and I was there, I was surprised at how they were able to just completely shut down the Virginia Tech offensive attack for a majority of that game. There was a late touchdown by the Hokies in that one um, to get to 20, but that game was never really close. It was, what, 30-13 to 13 with three minutes left? I mean, that game was never close. Offensively, Tech couldn't get anything going. Virginia Tech, that is, couldn't get anything going all day long few really really bad turnovers and you got to remember too in that one Georgia Tech comes in that game 
starting center was injured. Uh, his name, Joey? Freddie Burden. Yep. Starting center's hurt. Quarterback, Justin Thomas, also hurt. Matthew Jordan comes in. Joey texts me about, I don't know, an hour and a half before game time, says, hey, man, by the way, um, we're not going to have, like, half of our offense in this game. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm feeling particularly good about this game, and then all of a sudden everything just imploded. Roof kind of caved in there. Um, just wasn't a great performance by the Hokies, and Georgia Tech really was able to take that game and use that momentum into the rest of the season. They looked really good the following week at home against Virginia on senior day, and then at Georgia to close out the year, in-state SEC opponent, able to get that win and take that momentum again into the bowl game. So I thought the Virginia Tech win was huge following up that North Carolina loss seven days before because that game was never really competitive. The way they were able to bounce back at a win on the road against a really good Virginia Tech team, beat Virginia, beat Georgia, beat Kentucky, strong finish of the year, 9-4. and four. What more can you really ask for there if you're Georgia Tech, especially coming off of the year they had in 2015 where it was a struggle all year long? I, I got to say, as we've gone through and done these season recap episodes, a lot of times we've talked about what's the most surprising result that a team has had. And and I kid you not, I, I'm still a little bit baffled at that Virginia Tech game. I, I can't I can't understate how shocked I was at how that turned out. I mean, it was take out a second mortgage and put it on Virginia Tech to cover a two-touchdown spread, you know, kind of thing. Are you was, glad you didn't do that? I, I am glad I didn't do that. Uh, my, my wife is happy I didn't do that as well. But um, basically, that game was just, for me, it was almost like the most singular uh, surprising outcome of the ACC season. I think the only game that might have been more surprising, and and I can't even commit to this, is Virginia Tech's loss at Syracuse. Like that's the other one that just made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Virginia Tech's really and, good at losing these games they're supposed to win. They've made a habit of making that a thing, unfortunately for me. They should get a sponsorship with like some blood pressure medicine or something like that. That would probably help. But just what I knew, again, about both of these teams probably only makes it more surprising. But with, yeah, I, I mean, three or four hours before the game, I get some intel from Blacksburg that says, oh, yeah, Justin Thomas doesn't look like he's going to play today. So Matthew Jordan's your starter. And Matthew Jordan has some talents, but he's not Justin Thomas, and he's not as refined and polished and all this. And, and you're on the road. Yeah, you're on the road in a place like Blacksburg that's you know one of the best home field advantages, certainly in the conference, and even you could be in the discussion for the entire country. And then it's 20 to nothing at halftime, and you end up winning by 10 points in a game that, like you said, wasn't even that close. So I, I, don't, I don't know what they did or how that happened, but the, the defense stepped up and played a huge game. Matthew Jordan played really well, had a, like 130 yards on 21 carries and a couple of touchdowns. So shocking result to me on every level but hey i'll take it i was really we sad get to be the real tech this year yeah i mean i was i was really sad too so you know i knew it wouldn't be the real tech anymore that was a real kicker for me so i'm sure i'm sure that was the part that yeah. really put it over the edge yeah i know it was i was thinking oh man now like what bowl game are we going to play in Oh, and then I found out. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm not. The, we're not the real tech anymore. So that's that's what sent me. That's what sent me home crying. Um, into the bowl committees weren't looking at you the same way. No, they were like, oh, uh, losses to Syracuse and Georgia Tech, and they're not the real tech. So really, they're just Virginia, and we <laughs> we know if you're Charlottesville, 
you're living in Charlottesville, that's never good. So that's that, that sounds like your worst nightmare. It is. It is. That's something that's still haunting me to this day here in late March. Fair enough. Yeah, so the thing is that Justin Thomas, again, as a senior quarterback, had a really good year for Georgia Tech, but he had a lot of help from a lot of younger players. Dedrick Mills led the team in rushing yards, 152 attempts for 771 yards and 12 touchdowns. He did that in only nine games. He had a couple games he was suspended for, and I think he had a game that he was uh, injured for as well. So he missed a few of them in there, uh, but was really, really strong running the ball. He comes back next year for Georgia Tech, as do pretty much most of their uh, producers in in 2016. Basically, Justin Thomas on offense is the only real offensive skill position player that they're losing. Uh, Running backs, wide receivers, all that, everybody's coming back. They just got to replace the quarterback. And... I think that's that's a good sign that you have this machine that's working well at a time when the ACC is seeing a lot of production leaving skill position talent across the across the entire division, especially big time turnover in the coastal. Uh, I, I understand the Atlantic's losing, you know, the entire Clemson offense, uh, but you know, you look in the coastal division, Virginia Tech's losing a ton. Um, you look at Miami; they're losing Brad Kaya. North Carolina's losing a ton. There's a lot of talent now being lost in the Coastal Division. We were talking about it being wide open last year. It's really wide open this year. Uh, You know, heading into the fall, there are a lot of question marks on specifically the offensive side of the football for a lot of these teams. Georgia Tech, if you're only really replacing Justin Thomas, and it's with a relatively proven guy in Matthew Jordan, you have to be feeling pretty good about that. So if you're a Georgia Tech fan, you like the spot they're in. A guy in Matthew Jordan who, again, has – already shown you something he's not just this backup that's kind of joined in in garbage time I mean the guy played the entire game on the road at Virginia Tech again he played most of the game in 2015 against Miami the guy he play, I think he finished out the North Carolina game he might have played the second half of that game in 2016 so he's had some real game experience with live bullets and all that and and has kind of got that experience but also has has shown that he's capable of getting that offense moving and so given a full offseason of being the man around campus, I, I think there's a lot to like there for Georgia Tech fans. But as we move into 2017, Mike, the, the only coaching staff change here for Georgia Tech is that their quarterbacks and B-backs coach Brian Cook has left to go work as the offensive coordinator under Tyson Summers at Georgia Southern. He's being replaced by a former, I think, offensive analyst or something like this and former Paul Johnson quarterback from Navy, Craig Candido. Uh, he's back in coaching now after a certain tenure of flying jets for the Navy. Um, yeah, he, he comes to Georgia Tech and, and brings some good experience with him. Hopefully he can do some recruiting as well. But generally not a lot of staff turnover here, and there, and there really hasn't been over the last several years for, for the Georgia Tech staff, and that's, that's a good thing. Honestly, I think that's part of the reason that they've been able to build this program and build this, this roster into what it is. That's something that's always very helpful for any program trying to advance itself it is i mean keeping the same coaching staff or the same core coaching staff is huge paul johnson's been able to do that and i think georgia tech's in a good spot because of it i would agree uh looking at 2017 specifically so again the big goal here is replace justin thomas uh they've got a few other key uh contributors they're losing as far as pat gamble on defense i think he led the team in sacks uh pj davis the linebacker also a three-year starter Freddie Burden, the center on offense, and Harrison Butker, a kicker who who made a lot of big-time contributions over the years. 
But again, you got a couple of key role players, but this team brings back something like 17 starters, which is huge, again, in a league that is seeing a ton of turnover. And so they're in a good spot here. I think if you look at the schedule, it's a little like sneaky, treacherous early. Mike, is something we kind of talked about is that they open the season on Labor Day night against Tennessee in the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Please beat Tennessee. God, I hate Tennessee. I hope so. I hope so. Um, yeah, I gotta hope that freaking Rocky Top. No kidding. You gotta hope that Tennessee stays enough of a mess and has enough problems replacing their players and such, which not totally out of the question. Um, that, that program is pretty unstable right now. It feels like. Um, so you got Tennessee to start the year on a Monday night. The following Saturday is a home game against an FCS team, which is kind of the way that you want to follow up a Monday night game against an SEC team. The problem is that FCS team is Jacksonville State. The best team in Jacksonville. This is true. Right? I mean... I would go to their game before I would go to a Jaguars game, if we're being that's honest. Right. That's right. Although I I do believe, and I, if I have this right, I want to say Jacksonville State is in Alabama, actually. And yes, it is in Jacksonville, Alabama. So Swing and a miss. They are, Still the best team in Jacksonville. They are certainly the best team in Jacksonville, but really they might also just be the best Jacksonville team in the Southeast. Period. I'll, yeah, we'll go there. Um, just a bad geography lesson. We've done this before. <laughs> it's one of, our, uh, one of our specialties. That's what the people that's listen right. for. Yeah, Jacksonville State, a good team. And that's, that's a sneaky, dangerous game to play on, on five days of rest against a theoretically healthy and motivated FCS team. So careful there. And then the following weekend at UCF, a team that is getting better under Scott Frost. Mike, at first glance, this looks pretty manageable for your first three games. But, I mean, am I crazy or just paranoid to think that this is pretty dangerous, actually, as, as things go? Yeah, they're not going to lose Jacksonville State. I hope. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm over here making predictions in March. So, <laughs> uh, Okay, so the Tennessee game is neutral site, the new Mercedes-Benz dome stadium thing. It'll be all right. You guys will be all right against Tennessee. They're not returning old Dobby, a quarterback. There's no real proof that Butch Jones knows what he's doing. Like, in close games, we still have no proof of that. So, got that going for you. Can't hurt. Jacksonville State will be fine. UCF has Scott Frost on the road. That's the toughest. That might be the toughest game you have in the first three games. Tennessee's losing a lot of production on both sides of the ball. They're still SEC-caliber players, apparently. I don't (laughs) – allegedly, they're still SEC-type players. We'll have to actually see. Uh, But UCF with Scott Frost, he's recruiting well down there. He's got a good thing going. They got an explosive offense. We know that. We've seen his offenses work before at Oregon. And, you know, back when the Ducks were good. Imagine that. So, yeah, you know, I think they'll be okay the first three games. They got to be careful, though, um, against Jacksonville State. Like you mentioned, they got to be really careful against UCF. I think, you know, the Tennessee game's a toss up just because Tennessee does have talent. But I think if there's one game they're going to lose in the three that I think might get overlooked a little bit, I think it would be the game against UCF. I think that's that's fair to say. UCF is going to be better than a lot of people expect them to be. And, and that's the type of offense that can give this defense some problems. So we'll have to see. Um, but, yeah, three games there. And then home against Pittsburgh, home against North Carolina. I think it's good that you're getting North Carolina that early in the year. And then about 11 days later on the road, and maybe the biggest game of the year in terms of how things shake out in the division, at Miami on a Thursday night against that vaunted, vaunted home field advantage of the Miami Hurricanes. 
Yeah, with currently 4,000 tickets available, starting from $9 on StubHub. So Miami ticket check, Joey. Nine bucks for a mid-October game. Let's go Canes. Yeah, just take a $20 bill and get you a ticket and get you two beers, and you're set. That's that's a good uh, Thursday you're night set. of entertainment there. Coral Gables, I guess. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Hard Rock good Stadium. 4,000... There, for, for reference, as we look at this on ESPN, there's not a single game on the schedule with more than 1,000 tickets available, except for the one against Miami where there's over 4,000 tickets available. And But don't be fooled. Miami's actually good, right? They're yeah. back. Don't be well, fooled. And the game at home against Jacksonville State and the game on the road at Duke, which arguable on what you know people want to see more, go for $17. That's easily the cheapest thing on the menu, except the game at Miami where they're $9. So... Man, this is something we got to keep an eye on because this is shocking. Only, only a, a little bit though. It's actually kind of understandable, I think. It's embarrassing. I mean, is it? Is it understandable? Not really. I mean, eh. ACC football for nine dollars. Wow. Let's check on Cam. <laughs> check on Cam. We should have planned this Man. better could have called him mid-show maybe that's why people are miami football fans because you can go to games for cheap <laughs> yeah i mean there's got to be some benefit of watching miami play football right <laughs> hey miami is in uh, in a similar position to georgia tech where they bring back a ton and they just got to replace a quarterback so we might be looking up at our new miami overlords here by the end of the year so we'll have to take a we'll have to wait and see yeah we got to be careful if miami starts a season while tickets might be like twelve fifty. By the time that game rolls around. Uh, yeah, some inflation and all that in there. Yep, that, that's possible. Yeah. You might only be able to buy, like, one and a half beer. <laughs> that would be a shame. Yeah, wouldn't it? On the road at Miami on a Thursday night, and then home against Wake Forest, on the road at Clemson and at Virginia. I feel like if you had to look at, like, a two-game stretch of at Clemson and at Virginia, this is the year that you probably want to do that. I mean... We don't really know what Clemson is, and Bronco Mendenhall hasn't given really any indication so far that Virginia is going to be a dangerous team to play. Yeah, they suck. They do kind of suck. So, I think that works out all right. Home against Virginia Tech, I mean, that, I think that Virginia Tech's going to rebound. They have a lot to replace, but they should be pretty good. But you get that game at home, that feels good. On the road at Duke, home against Georgia. And so I, I think there's a lot to like about this schedule, and there's a lot of potential here for Georgia Tech to to do some damage and maybe win the Coastal, especially in a year where they, they bring back so much and have a lot of momentum coming forward from, from 2016. So, I mean, I think in this is going to be like super Atlanta sports fanny of me is like there's a lot to like about this team, and they got all this momentum and all these guys coming back. I think they could probably go about 8-4 and four with this, this, this schedule. And they're up by four touchdowns and <laughs> – Man, Mike. I'm sorry, I'm Mike. sorry. I think the uh, let's move on quickly before you <laughs> reach through the screen and punch me. The November 25th game against Georgia, the final game of the year, might be one of the toughest games of the year. Georgia might be pretty good, maybe. Right? Maybe Jacob Eason. I mean, there's a yeah, there's right? a chance. I, I mean, I've yet to see anything from Georgia with Jim Cheney as their offensive coordinator under Kirby Smart that makes me think that they could score much of anything yeah. so Jacob Eason just has a huge arm he does Jacob Eason I mean he is pretty much Matthew Stafford incarnate which yeah. is fine because Georgia Tech beat Matthew Stafford in Paul Johnson's first year at Georgia Tech in Athens 
But, um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that should be a tough game. That defense should be plenty good, and offensively there's no shortage of talent. It's just a matter of how well coached they are and all this, which is kind of pretty much consistently the, uh, the battle between those two teams is talent versus coaching, you know. Yeah, that, Miami struggles with that too. True, very true. And what did George Clemson and Miami have not. in common? Yeah, right. Uh, a guy named Rick. Guy named Rick. Yeah, right. Like they had the same coach once. Yeah. Well, the difference is that Rick went to Miami. I don't know if you knew that, Mike. That he's a Miami oh. alumnus. Oh, really? Shoot. Little no, little known facts. Slipped my mind. Um, <laughs> which is insane because they remind me about it every time I read a freaking Miami blog. Not not you, Cam. Just others. They never let you forget that Mark Rick went to Miami. World's most irresponsible drinking game. Every time you're reminded that Mark Rick went to Miami. God. Oh, yeah. God. Um, and you're already dead. So, <laughs> um, back to the blogging real quick. Cam, we, we've kind of, you know, taken a deuce on Miami quite a bit during this podcast. You do a great job with Stay of the U, buddy. So, you know, if you listen to this, go Canes. Hey, yeah. no joke. If you want Miami information, that is easily the best place to go get it. God, so go check out stateofthu.com. Cam legitimately does a remarkable job with that site, including things show. like recruiting and all sorts of stuff. Guy's unbelievable. He's got a lot of help there, but he's like a he's a machine. And I mean, by himself, he's an absolute machine. So. We are so fortunate to have him as a friend and former podcast guest. We do. But come back soon, Cam. But we actually hate Miami, though. So yeah, no, I, I hate your school. It's fine. Yeah. Mike, what are you thinking here, schedule-wise? Uh, let's see. I think you said what eight and four. Eh. You know what? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be cocky, confident Georgia Tech fan. I'm gonna say nine and three. I'm in the. I was. I was also going to say nine and three, but I'll say eight and four. So <laughs> we can be different. How about that? Fair. Okay. I'll follow. I'll follow some recent trends, and I don't think that Paul Johnson has beaten. Miami in Coral Gables. He hasn't beaten Clemson at Clemson since his first year when, again, Dabo Swinney, I think, was in his first game as an interim head coach. And he hasn't beaten Georgia at home. So I think those are the three losses. And at that point, yeah, you're 9-3 with, you know, 6-2 and two in conference. I think that's fine. I think that wins the Coastal. It might tie for the Coastal. I don't know how much Miami's going to lose. I think they're they're always the team that's very much primed at any given moment to lose a game that you're not expecting them to. Oh, you mean Virginia Tech? <laughs> that is a, yeah, Both? that yeah. could happen. Both. Please do. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think 9-3. and 9-3 sounds right. 6-2 and two in the Coastal. That might get them a win. It might push them into like a New Year's Day bowl game, hopefully. Something like a, or I guess, does the ACC play New Year's Day bowl games? I don't think they do. Uh, they they should. Uh, well, the yeah. tax the tax slayer bowl is no longer on New Year's Day, is it? It used to be, the old Gator Bowl. It it was this year. The, yeah, the tax slayer bowl was on New Year's Day, was it? Or Eve? It's New Year's Eve. Eve. It was on New Year's Eve. I yes, it was on New Year's Eve. It used to be on New Year's Day. I was watching it in the middle of a Christmas celebration, so the whole thing just got thrown all off. But yeah, that's how you get confused. <laughs> Prime confusion. Doesn't help. Yeah. Uh, Russell Athletic Bowl. Let's go Russell Athletic uh, Bowl. Yes. For five. Orlando. Outs. Decent right. Big Twelve matchup. 
against, I don't know, probably like Texas or something. No big deal. Just don't pull a North Carolina against Baylor in the Russell Athletic Bowl, and you'll be fine. Yeah, that was bad. It didn't turn out well for them. 600 rushing yards or something like that? Ouch. Yep. Yeah, I think I scored a couple touchdowns from my couch. <laughs> One of those games. Who didn't? Right. Uh, okay, real quick. Uh, two biggest games of the season for Georgia Tech. Biggest games, not toughest games. Two biggest games of the year for a Coastal Division championship are at Miami and at home against Virginia Tech. I would agree. I think I would put home against Virginia Tech in second instead of the road game at Clemson because of the division yep. tiebreaker implications. Yep. Exactly. I think I, I agree with that. You never know what, what Pitt might yep. jump up into either or hell, the Stephen Deacons coming to town for the for the homecoming game. That could get that could get a little saucy there in, in October. Yeah, I could get You never weird. know. Charlottesville's also been a bit of a black hole for Georgia Tech at times throughout the years. So That's ironic. It's been a black hole for Virginia as well. Ooh, <laughs> boom, roasted. Zing. Zing. Okay. Got him. Buckets. Yeah. All right. Virginia Tech. I put Virginia Tech second for the ACC games that they play because of that tiebreaker. I think that's – I think so too. That's kind of where your mind's got to be. I think point. if – yeah, I think if you go 9-3 and – and only one of those losses is in your division. I think you're in pretty good shape. I think I think that. Yeah. I mean Miami, Miami's going to lose to Florida State until they give us reason to think that they won't. And at that point, yep. I mean they only got to lose one more, and I don't know. It could be anybody. It could be anybody. I mean I'm of the I'm of the opinion that Georgia Tech's the best team in the Coastal Division heading into next season, and I think Miami is second, and I think Virginia Tech's third. And that's why, I mean, that Miami game, if you beat Miami there in that spot on the road on a Thursday night. You're in the driver's seat. You're in the driver's seat. Absolutely. You're in the driver's seat. Because I think in that in that case, if you beat Miami, and we're also assuming that they've, you know, Georgia Tech's gotten through Pitt, North Carolina, which has currently constituted, they should be favorites in both of those games, given who Pittsburgh and North Carolina are both losing on both sides of the ball. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. So... Assuming you get through Pitt and North Carolina, you get to that Miami game on a Thursday night on about a week and a half rest, which could be good, could be bad. But, you know, I think Miami uh, – I'm assuming Miami plays that Saturday. No, Miami will have a week and a half as well. They'll have a full full rest. They'll have a week and a half as well. Well, that negates it quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. All then you're talking about is Georgia yeah, Tech having right. to travel. Yeah. September 29th, Miami plays against Duke. Then they also have a week and a half. That's interesting. I think that's probably the swing game. That might be the game that decides the division right there. I think so, too. Because I think, you know, if Georgia Tech gets through that Miami game, you can drop one to Clemson and still be okay because just because of the Coastal Division. And then the next biggest game, you know, assuming you get through Virginia and beat Wake Forest, I mean, you, you got the Virginia Tech game, which second biggest Coastal game of the year, in my opinion, comes in your – second-to-last Coastal game of the year. Um, you got on the road at Duke November 18th, which could be a little bit of a sneaky, tough game as well, just given that, you know, you're coming off of what could be an emotional victory slash loss against Virginia Tech. But even if you lose Virginia Tech there, you still might have something to play for, depending on how the Hokies are playing at that time of year and how Miami's doing. That Duke game could be huge. And That's, It could, yeah. 
Duke is like going on the road to Duke is a very irritating place to play because you go there and all the energy is completely sucked out by the, like the 14 people in the stands. There's, I mean, it's like playing a high school game. Duke actually has a decent home field advantage in the fact that it's not loud and it's not disruptive and it's almost just like disinteresting. So yeah, I, I mean, I think if it's me, I don't know if I don't know if you'd rather play Duke early before they really get rolling, or if you'd rather play Duke late when they might have a couple injuries and their lack of depth shows up. Virginia Tech played Duke late this past season. I was there, and it was a very awkward setting. Uh, Duke had like some fans there. It was Lane Stadium South with the amount of Virginia Tech fans there, but it was very weird given the amount of seats that were empty and. You know, you think that even if you're really bad, if you're Duke, I mean, Virginia Tech's coming to town, right? Virginia Tech was really good when they were playing it, you know? And that's just, I don't know, just really awkward. You want them beginning of the year, I think. They should try switching to Jordan logos to make it more like their basketball team. Oh, my God. It's working for North Carolina, I think. <laughs> right? Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Working, working pretty well. <laughs> hey, maybe Grayson Allen can play football, right? Oh, I hope he does. Send a nice little cut block after him, like every play. Oh my god! See how he likes it. Haven't played quarterback behind Duke's god awful offensive line. Yes, yes. Karma. Anything else, Mike? I hate Duke too. Hate Duke too. Yeah. (laughs) For the record. Uh, Besides that, no, I'm good. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I think I'm out. Yeah, uh, good season for Georgia Tech in 2016. 2017 looking pretty good as well. We'll see actually what they can turn it into as they look to replace Justin Thomas once again. But in the meantime, uh, we've got another set of recaps that we're going to do here, Mike. I think we're going to do – basically, we've got a few of these left. We're going to do all of them at once. So keep an eye out for those. Those should be dropping here in the next week or so as we uh, finish out talking about the 2016 season now that it's freaking about to be April – so um, keep an eye out for those, and make sure that you uh, come find us. We are on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You could also send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. You're getting really good at that. I was good at that. I think I, it was because I didn't interrupt it by telling them all the things they could email us, such as questions, comments, concerns, reviews, whatever you want to do. Andrew Parker, what's up? What up? Yeah, you're our favorite emailer. Also our only emailer. It's fine. Um, You could also allegedly find us where, Mike? On Facebook. Allegedly. We have one of those now. Allegedly. Yes. The supposed Facebook page that we have potentially made. Yes, you can come find us on Facebook, Basketball Conference Podcast, or Facebook.com slash Basketball Conference. All one word. You can come find us there. Hello. Hit the like button. We're going to be posting our content there. You'll have an easier time finding it than on Twitter, which kind of expires pretty quickly if you don't see it right when it happens. So come find us there. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud, where you can like, you can subscribe, and rate, and review, and do all those neat things. So please do so. But, uh, Mike, you want to come back and do this big set here of uh, everybody else? I do. All right, let's get these things over with. Anyways, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Go ECC. Go ECC.